people get into uh, office and different things. He was talking about the voters. And he says, um, it's the voters that elect, you know, uh, people to serve. But it's the media that influences their vote. So what you see on the media today, you don't know whether it's the truth or not. They want you. They want to sugarcoat it. And it's uh, just really interesting today to see uh, what's happening with our media. Well, Tony Perkins this past weekend was dealing with the borders, and I thought he had some stuff on there that you would appreciate. We're going to join that now. And then we have Tony Evans. His message this morning was outstanding. He was dealing with the issue of racism. I just think that you need to hear part of it, and um, I think it'll be really helpful to you as he talks about revival. Let's uh, let's listen right now to Tony Perkins. All righty, I'll make sure we can get this here. I thought we had it ready to go. And if not, we'll hear Tony Evans first. Let me try that one more time. And again, give you our telephone numbers, 1-800-408-8888-679-1342. From the heart of our nation's capital, this is Washington Watch Weekend Edition. Now, here's your host, David Salkeld. This week on the Weekend Edition of Washington Watch, Governors Standing with Texas, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, and the increase in the persecution of Christians globally. Greetings, fellow patriots. I am David Salkeld, and I'm a constitutional conservative, Christian husband, and Reagan Republican. After a showdown on the border last week, the administration is in a stalemate with Texas. The Supreme Court decision only allows the federal government to cut the razor wire, but does not prohibit the state of Texas from continuing to put it up. And now governors from around the country are assisting Texas in their defense of our southern border. Joining Family Research Council President Tony Perkins on Thursday was Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. Governor Stitt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you too. So tell us, uh, how are you there in Oklahoma standing with the folks of Texas? Well, like, like you said, and like most Americans are, are seeing right now, uh, what's happening at the, at the southern border, uh, we, we, you just can't make sense of it. And the best way for me to describe it, I've been down there, we've had troops down there, is there's 28 ports of entry between Mexico and Texas. And it's already a federal law. It's already illegal to enter the United States anywhere but one of these ports of entry. So what we just cannot understand, and I think the American people and certainly Oklahomans can't understand, is why would the Biden administration be down there cutting razor wire, just letting people in illegally? Uh, if you don't call that an invasion, I don't know what you call it when six million people are coming in illegally. And so to us, it's just, it's absolute common sense. Uh, we are supporting Governor Abbott. He has a right to defend uh, his state, our country, and the Biden administration has created this problem uh, with just poor, uh, it just makes no sense whatsoever. The only possible explanation is he believes that he can take those six million people and turn them into his voters and focus on the next election instead of doing what's right for America. And I think Americans are frustrated. Or a part of that, Governor, could be creating so many problems for governors and states across the country that you have to, I mean, the resources that you're going to have to, that you're already having to invest in the drug 
infiltration, the gangs, the crime, all of these issues, the social services that now are having to be picked up by the states. Yeah, I'm, you're exactly right. I mean, just in our state, uh, fentanyl deaths have increased 500 percent over the last few years. Uh, our health care system, you just cannot. Uh, you, it's just unsustainable. We're taking U.S. citizens and we're paying taxes and now all of a sudden we're having to take care of six million people that are illegally entering our states and our country. It just makes no logical sense whatsoever. Um, and so, of course, we stand with him. I think 25 other governors have supported and, and pledged their support to back Texas in this, uh, in this endeavor. And I think the Biden administration now is backed into a corner because even the Democrats are starting to wake up and say, hey, this, this makes no sense. The, the Democratic cities are, are being overwhelmed. Their social services and their social nets uh, are just being overrun right now. And I hope that we'll go back to a Trump-era policy, which is basically just remain in Mexico. I'm going to talk about those blue state governors in a moment, but I want to, want to ask you a question. So what does that support from Oklahoma look like? You're sending National Guard troops to, uh, to Texas? Yeah, we did that last year. I don't have any down there yet. We're still looking at that. We're talking to uh, Governor Abbott. Our uh, my general of the National Guard is uh, kind of putting together a plan for me. Um, you know, right now, I know there's talk from the feds about federalizing the Texas National Guard to try to get them from the Governor Abbott's command to President, uh, President Biden's command. And we think that would be a very, uh, you know, dangerous situation. We don't want him to do that. We think that would be ridiculous. Uh, he would basically just be letting everybody know, I'm just, I'm going to take these troops and tell them to start cutting this razor wire, which... Uh, would just be unbelievable. Uh, but if that happened, then of course, Texas and uh, or Tennessee and Oklahoma and South Dakota and, and all these other states then would send our National Guards down there to help him immediately. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and when a Governor Abbott you know, calls on uh, the other 25 governors to help him. Uh, governor, I find this very interesting because I, I actually had the Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick on the program earlier in this week, and he was telling me that we're talking about $2 billion a year that Texas is putting into this effort to secure the border down there. And then we have all these other red state governors like yourself willing to put forth their resources to help. Now, as we just described, there's a reason it's impacting your state. But contrast that with the sanctuary cities and states like New York City. They're not ponying up. They're actually asking for more money from the federal government. They, in fact, uh, end of last year, they asked for $5 billion from the federal government. I mean, the re here's, my, here, here's my assessment of this, Governor Stitt, is that the red states have such good economies because they have good tax policy. They have the revenue that they can address the problem where the blue states that are, you know, positioning themselves as these sanctuary cities, they don't have the money. Yeah, uh, you, you're exactly right. I, I love giving the example between Florida and New York. You know, Florida has a ten. Or Florida has zero income tax. New York has a ten point nine percent income tax, and New York is broke, and people are moving to Florida. Uh, their budget in New York is two hundred thirty three billion. It's twice what that is of Florida. Florida is one hundred sixteen billion. So these high tax states, uh, they're broke. They're in a death spiral. People are leaving them. Uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, just came to our state, and he said, there's no way I would invest money in states like New York and California 
because they're overtaxing, overregulating business. You know, businesses are flowing to states like Oklahoma and, and Texas and Tennessee and Florida. And, uh, you know, because we have common sense, we believe in capitalism and free enterprise and individual liberties. And there's a huge difference right now between our two states. Uh, so, yes, we absolutely do not want the federal government to bail out blue states again. Uh, back during COVID, uh, I was uh, the, 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 the voice that kept saying, stop doing another bailout. You're just encouraging these blue states to continue their, their ridiculous shutdowns. Uh, states like Oklahoma were open the whole time. Our economy was, was, was booming, and, and now our state is top 10 in people moving to our state. Uh, so, again, I, I, our policies are so much better than that of New York's or these sanctuary states. Yeah, so you've got the revenue to actually solve problems where they're looking for someone else to give them money uh, to yeah, deal with the problems they created. Our, our largest savings accounts in state history in Oklahoma – and California, I think, has a 60 or $70 billion deficit right. just this year. Um, they just overspend. We believe in smaller government, lower taxes. Um, and, of course, we believe in strong borders. And, and, and I also like to remind the American people, this has nothing to do with immigration policy. Uh, we want to make sure we have H-1B visas. We know who's coming into our country, who's working, uh, the engineers, the, the technology experts, right. uh, instruction workers. But... You've got to have a strong border. We, we, everybody knows well, this. And also, your policies recognize we've got to have strong families, too, which is what I appreciate about Oklahoma. But, by the way, my home state of Louisiana, got a new governor there, and uh, I've told him to give you guys a run for your money. We want to become the reddest state in the nation. Governor, always good to see you. Yeah, he's a good governor. All right, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. All right, Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma. Coming up next, Congressman Mark Alford joins me to discuss his reaction to yesterday's national gathering for prayer and repentance and this disturbing news out of Tennessee where six more pro-lifers have been charged and convicted of violating the FACE Act. That's Tony Perkins. We have him featured on the weekends. And uh, it's information that you won't just get every day. And uh, Tony Evans today was dealing with issues. He is a black pastor. Uh, I know there's so many things today to divide us. Uh, I told somebody recently, you know, we serve the same Lord, going to the same heaven, going to live together forever. Can't get along down here. I personally believe that uh, Barack Obama is a racist. I do. That's just my opinion. My opinion don't count much. I think blacks are just as much racist as whites, as the Hispanic. There's, you know, there's a problem with racism. And it's not going to get any better till we realize that we all go back. We all have the same great, 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 great grandpa. His name's Adam. All men came from Adam and Eve. She's the mother of all living. And uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that has caused racism. But the thing I liked about Tony Perkins is that he dealt with it. And he, he tells us uh, one of the problems that's in the pulpits today is that men are not dealing with it. Holy men, you know, we don't need pastors and preachers. We need holy men. We have men that have the courage to tell the little lambs of God the things that they need to hear and how to avoid them. And uh, lots of times we get a little sermonette. We get a little speech. Uh, the church gets fussed at because they're not in line. They get, they get rebuked and all that kind of stuff. 
I want you to hear Tony Perkins, if you or Tony Evans rather, if you'd like to have his message this morning, request it at 800-408-8888. I've uh, I've picked out some things that he has said this morning. We you know we keep uh, we have revivals. We keep doing the same old, same old, same old, same old, and guess what? We're getting the same old, same old, same old results. And uh, people talk about revival. One of our efforts in calling you to prayer, I don't mean to be aggressive this morning, is to unite us. You know, we serve the same Lord. If you're going to heaven, you're going where I'm going. And if you don't like me here, somebody say you won't like me up there. Well, that won't be true because everything will be different up there. But um, what's important is our land is sinking into the quicksands of destruction, and we need to come together as the body of Christ. I want you to hear... We have uh, two parts of um, Tony Evans. I want you to hear this, and then we'll be back to uh, open up the phone lines. There's a mad person in history called the devil, and he's come on territory he did not create and does not own, and he has brought with him death and disease and destruction. But God built a coalition made up of black people and white people and red people and yellow people, inner city people and suburbanites. It's been made up of Protestants of, of all hue and color and all background. And he has formed this coalition called the church to serve notice on this madman that not only can he not have any more territory, he must now give up the territory he lays claim to. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, you have access to high-tech weaponry. You've got the power of God. You've got the person of Christ. You've got the presence of the Spirit. You've got the authority of the Word. But the question is still unanswered. Does this stuff work? Because on one hand, we say when we're together, we've got all of this power. But somehow, when we go to war together, we're not the one people of God drawing the one line in the sand to serve notice against our common enemy. No more, Satan. No more. You can have no more territory. Satan has done a yeoman's job in splitting up the people of God along racial, class, and cultural lines. He's done a magnificent job of keeping us from being the one people of God. And as a result, man, we haven't seen the revival in this country everyone's praying for. For God will not bring a revival to part of his church. He won't bring a white revival or a black revival or a Hispanic revival or an Asian revival. He's only going to bring a Holy Ghost revival. And that means we've got to be the one people of God. But he has split up the coalition. He gets us talking about unity on Sunday and then leaving from our churches or meetings like this, going back to our segregated neighborhoods, having been at our segregated churches with our segregated mentalities, forgetting that we're only a part of the body of Christ. And until we're willing to be the one people of God publicly, this is like a huddle in a football game. 65,000 people don't pay to watch their team huddle. 
What they want to know is, what difference does the huddle make? What they want to know is, having huddled, can you now score? What they want to know is, is the play you called in private workable in public? What they want to know is, is that play you called with 11 men in a circle able to overcome 11 other men who are daring you to go public with your private play? It's easy to be a Christian here today. There's no competition in the house. But the test of your faith is what you do when you break huddle and go public for Jesus Christ. That is the test. When the Atlanta Falcons take this field, there are black people on the team and white people on the team, but they all wear the team colors. And what they must do is subject whatever their humanity is to the bigger agenda of the game on the field until we're willing to subject what God has made us into being the people of God we will never see what God can do in our culture and in our country if people would take seriously what it means to be the one people of God you know the Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Lions don't roar when they're getting ready to kill their prey. Lions sneak up on their prey. Lions only roar after they kill their prey. And the reason why is because lions rule by intimidation. You see, lions are terrified of hyenas and jackals who travel in packs of five and ten and are scavengers. And so, in order to scare them off, the lion will roar over the deer he's killed to keep the jackals and hyenas from coming and taking over the carcass. The jackals and hyenas are so terrified by the roar of the lion that they back up and don't bother to come and take over the carcass. If those hyenas and jackals only knew that all they had to do was show up, if they would simply just keep on coming in spite of the roar, in spite of the loud noise, if they would just keep on coming, the lion would gladly give up the carcass rather than tangle with five or ten jackals or hyenas. Satan has got a big mouth. He's got such a big mouth, he's intimidated us. Oh, but if we only knew, if all we just did was keep on coming, if we just came as the one people of God, he'd have to give us back our cities, give us back our communities, and give us back our families because we stopped letting him intimidate us. When you're in a war, you don't care about the color class or culture of the man fighting next to you as long as he's shooting in the same direction you are. That's the only issue in a war. And the only thing that matters is whether the man next to you loves Jesus like you do. And if he loves Jesus like you do, color should not matter. We may have all come over here on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. So it's time for us to be the one people of God. It's amazing that we have failed to see that until we become the one people of God, until we become a unified church, until being Christian is more important than the color and race and class that you are a part of, forget the revival, forget the cultural transformation, and get ready to hand this over to Satan because God's spirit will only work in an environment of harmony and unity. And until we become that kind of people, nothing else will work. Some of you are looking to politics to get us out of this mess. Well, I'm here to submit to you today that God doesn't ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. 
that God is not here to satisfy the politics of men. Already, that's the first portion, and uh, that's 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 preaching. That's helping. That is alarming. That is uniting. And uh, you know, uh, it's just so sad to see the the things that we're seeing today. Now, I want to continue with Tony, and if you want his album of uh, this this morning's uh, sermon, uh, you're welcome to it. I tell you what, it's just so encouraging to me. I like encouraging preaching. I don't like fussing and feuding, and I'm the only one, and uh, you got to do it my way. I like it doing it God's way, and God only has one body. You, you, can, you, know, you can say what you want to. He only has one body, but I appreciate him dealing with this issue. Let's pick up on the second part. What would you do? What would you do if people were living in adultery in your church? You wouldn't wait 250 years to get it right? What would you do with people having poor business ethics in the church? You wouldn't take 250 years to get it right. What would you do if people adopted gay lifestyles in the church? You wouldn't say, well, let's give them a few hundred years they were raised this way. You would say, I can't help you until you're willing to call sin, sin. And if adultery sin and the gay lifestyle is sin and bad business ethics is sin, racism is sin, classism is sin, culturalism is sin, and it's nothing but sin. We've got to call it what it is. I and my family were living here in Atlanta. We went to a white church that I will leave unnamed. When we went to the church, the deacons let us know this is a fundamental Bible teaching, Bible preaching, inerrant, Holy Ghost believing church. I'm talking Schofield reference Bible. This was a church that believed it from kibber to kibber, pillar to post. But the deacons told me and my wife, we were not welcome here. That while we could bleed in their God, we could not worship at their church. And the church voted. And the church decided that it would be the stance of the church that blacks could not attend that church. That happened to me. And I understood like never before on that day why many of my brothers are angry. And I understood like never before on that day why they say they'll say one thing out of their mouth, but they really won't live this Christianity that they preach about. And I was tempted to become bitter. I was tempted during that era to go on another track, to follow my brothers who believed that we had to approach this another way. But because of righteous influences in my life, I held on to the truth of the word of God. That church called me up last year. And they said, even though it's been 15 or 20 years since that event happened, our church wants to let you know that we have sinned, we apologize, and would you come back and preach for us? It's time that we change it in our church. It's time that we do it. And so Peter, Peter withdrew. The rest of the Jews withdrew with him. It says in verse 13 that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Not my boy Barney. Anybody but Barney. Barney's the son of encouragement. 
He's the one who grew up in Cyprus, a Gentile island. He grew up with the other side. He lived with them. He played ball with them. He went to school with them. But that's how racism is. When you get around your own people, if they can make you feel uncomfortable enough, they can make you give up even the relationships you know are solid. And they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for one thing. Paul showed up for some neck bones too. According to Galatians 2, Paul says, and when I saw what Cephas and the others did, verse 11, he says, I opposed them to their face because they stood condemned. Paul didn't have a workshop on race relations. He didn't have a sensitivity session. He didn't have a I'm okay, you okay discussion. He said, Peter, it's sin. It was sin. It is sin. It will ever be sin. So you are acting sinful and you know better than that. We need some brothers and sisters in Christ today who are willing to say to their other brothers and sisters, that attitude is sin. That action is wrong and you must repent before a holy God. That's what we need today. spoken and he has not started on the matter there are two answers to every question God's answer and everybody else and everybody else is wrong I did not have to go through trauma about it I know what some of you are saying I know we're in the south and I know some of you are going to say what somebody would have said of Peter he was raised this way he couldn't help it his mother was like this. His father was like this. His grandparents were like this. How do you expect this man to change overnight? Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, you must hate your mother and hate your father and hate your sister and hate your brother and if necessary, hate your own life that you might be my disciple. And we need a group who are willing to say, if that means that I lose my friendships, it won't matter because I'm only concerned about what Jesus is going to call me. That's what we need to That's the kind of radical Christianity we need. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. And I am not asking that you give up your culture. I am not asking white people to become black. And God is not asking black people to become white. God has created all of this variety because he likes variety. And he wants it this way. Black is only beautiful if it's biblical. And white is only right if it agrees with holy writ. There is a standard that governs who we are. And unless that standard overrules what our families have taught us, unless that standard overrules what our community has taught us, unless the biblical standard rules, then we're going to be in this chaos and never see revival. God is not asking you to like soul music. And he's not asking me to like country and western, thank God. But he's asking all of us to love him more than we love our race, our culture, or our class. It means Jesus Christ must always be the defining adjective of your life so that if anything conforms, it is your culture conforming to Christ, not Christ 
conforming to your culture. And that is what God is asking for today. He's asking for men who will go out and say, I will not live the rest of my life never having built an intimate bond with another part of the body of Christ who's different than me. And it's got to start with us. Already, that's Tony Evans and uh, some of the most powerful preaching I've heard for a while. You don't preach like that without study and applying yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit. But we're so divided. You look at the Democrats today, the, Re the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, just put those two together, and we'll put the look at the church in just a moment. The Democrats are united, and they are extremely powerful. They're causing so much problems today because people would rather be a Democrat than they would be an American, than being a Christian. Then on the other hand, you have rhinos that can't make up their mind which side of the street that they're on, and uh, they uh, they always all the time wanting to make a deal rather than doing that which is right. Uniting us, not as Republicans, but uniting us as Americans. Anyway, that's a powerful, he dealt on the issue of racism. It applies to so many arenas. You're welcome to Tony Evans this morning. I would recommend it, um, you know, just for your, you know, to fire you up, to make you want to do right. You know, I, I like the emphasis upon the Scripture. That's where we get our authority. And people take the Scripture and they beat people up with it. And they justify sin. You can't justify sin. I don't care who you are. And we know that our denominations divide us. We know that our uh, culture divides us many times. We know that um, doctrine divides us. Shouldn't, but it does. But we, again, ask you to continue to pray the model prayer. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those that have debts and trespasses against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, not my will. Lord, we join you because we say, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. And it, and Tony Evans said it right. It's his power. Revival's going to come from him. And we're doing everything in the world but rescuing our nation right now. So that's why we urge you to pray. Three times a day, thank you for doing that. Anyway, Tony Evans, if you want his message today in its entirety, I have it, and uh, I'll give it to you, and uh, I'll give you one. Some folks request 10 or 15. We, uh, we'll give you one at 1-800-408-8888, and you duplicate it. You share it. You preach it. There ain't nothing new under the sun, and uh, they, may call, they may call you a plagiar and guilty of plagiarism but according to Solomon there ain't nothing new under the sun and uh, I'd always recognize the person that I borrowed information from but still there's no there's no such thing as anything new <laughs> believe it or not 800-408-8888 we heard from Tony Perkins we also heard from Tony 